when I look to the scriptures and I see Paul here, of course, he's writing to the church at Colossae and he's writing and he's talking specifically about the subject of prayer. And so that phrase, continue in prayer, underline that in your Bible because this is going to be the crux of all of this. I'm going to talk about praying leads to spiritual opportunities. And I do believe that God's desire is that we walk close with him. I believe a close walk with God requires a prayer life, not just a time of prayer, but that I have this regular communication with him daily. And if we want to have a season of revival, then I believe that we must take every opportunity that we have or that he provides us to share the gospel with folks. Um, many of you go over to uh, Casa La Pita on a regular basis. How many in here eat at Casa La Pita on a regular basis or go over there? How many of you eat there? Anybody? Anybody at all? I eat there. We go over there, and so we go over to Casa Lapita, and uh, and so uh, we've gotten to know uh, one of the owners there, and he had his daughter there today, and I went to lunch with my wife today over there, and and we sat down, and and we got a chance to to speak to him, and he's starting to recognize us, and uh, I'm asking the Lord now. His name's Ernesto. How many of you know Ernesto? <laughs> and I want to witness to Ernesto. Now, I know there are Catholic backgrounds there and all that kind of stuff, but it doesn't matter, does it? We need to win the loss to Christ. Wouldn't that be wonderful to have someone like that, one to the Lord? So here's the idea behind it. I believe we ought to pray for those kinds of opportunities. And then pray for pastor, because if I share with you, I'm going to go witness to somebody. Believe me, I'm going to share the gospel with them. And, and I want to talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the challenge to us is in our relationship with, with Christ, in our relationship with one another. And by the way, if we have a relationship with Christ, we have a relationship with one another. Amen. And so we're in fellowship with one another. I give you these names. Pray for them. And I believe our relationship with Christ is one of the most important relationships that we have. And I believe it's the key to revival in this church. In this church, not some other church, in this church. And so as we think about this, and I want to challenge you with this thought, do you pray for the Lord to provide you times of witnessing that he may bring forth revival? Uh, now, revival is not just about us winning the loss to Christ. Revival is about what's happening to us as well as, as Christians. And it's a quickening in our life. And so as I look to this, I see that it's evident by the scriptures that Paul was telling the church to pray consistently and to pray for him that he will get opportunities to witness. If you look at verse 3, he said, With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. And, and he's asking these folks, here at the church of Colossae, please pray for me that God will open a door to give me an opportunity to speak about Jesus Christ to others. And I, I share with you tonight, I'm asking you to do the same for me, that God would open those doors, that door of utterance that I can share the gospel with the lost. And I'll also pray for you as well. So I believe if our church is really going to see revival, it's going to happen because we have a strong prayer life as a church body and we're sharing the gospel with others. Now, I can do it, but also God wants all of us to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I want to give you a couple of thoughts here this evening that might help us in this, and I believe praying leads to spiritual opportunities, and here's some steps that we need to take. I told you to underline continue in prayer. Continue in prayer. And, and you need to think about that. Am I continually praying that God would allow us to win the loss? Am I continually praying about that? Am I continually asking God for that? Now notice how it's done and watch in the same with Thanksgiving. In other words, look forward to it happening, isn't it? If I'm going to thank him for it, 
That means I believe it's going to happen. So I'm doing this in advance. So continue in prayer. And then taking the opportunities to witness, he says, asking God to open a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. And so taking the opportunities to witness. So whenever they're presented to you, don't forego them. Don't uh, fluff them off. Don't say, ah, it's not that important right now. Take the opportunity that God presents you with to share the gospel. Now, how many of you want all of your family to be saved? Amen? How many of you want your family to be saved? We all have family, right? And how many of you have family members who are lost that do not know Christ? We want them saved, don't we? So take that opportunity when God provides it. How many of you have friends that you really care about? Maybe even from your past that you still know or have some sort of cordial contact with them and you know they're not saved, but you'd like to see them saved. How many of you have some people like that in your life that you'd really like to see them get saved? Or maybe a neighbor that for years you've tried to be a good testimony to them and, and have tried to reach out to them and, and they've, they've rejected it, but, but you want to see them get saved. Or you have some worker with you, some employee, uh, some, uh, maybe someone that works for you, and, and you just desire for them to really know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I want to tell you, continue in prayer and seek the opportunities when they present themselves. When they're there before you, don't forget God's providing that, and it's an opportunity for us to share the gospel. And then I want you to remember this. Speak a clear, clear message. Look at verse 4. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. That I ought to be able to bring it forth, bring it to light, and say what needs to be said. That I, need, that I say what needs to be said to bring them to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So the first thing I want to encourage you in is this. Last, let's ask God to provide times for witnessing that he may bring forth revival right here at Calvary. And how that's going to happen is we have to continue in prayer. So those people that came to your mind just as I was speaking to you just now, God brought people to your remembrance. Don't forget them in prayer. As we approach this time of revival, don't forget those names. And if they're in proximity of this church during that time frame, invite them to the meeting. Invite them to be a part of what we're doing here, that they may hear the gospel message and get saved. And you say, well, I've invited them a lot of times and they've never come. Hey, this may be the time you invite them that they do come. Amen? There were so many times I was witness to and failed to pray and ask Jesus Christ to save me. But on October 12, 1995, pastor witnessed to me, my pastor witnessed to me, and I got saved. <laughs> and, and so I, I can't tell you how important it is to not give up but to continue in prayer. So as we think about this, that word continue is to be consistent in your prayer life, to be consistent in your prayer life. Now, we have a prayer bulletin that I give you each week, and there are times where I've come in and I said, okay, break it down, and you have this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? And you come back by the next week, you've prayed through this list. Well, you can do the same with names of people, and you want to put them on your list that at least one time a week you're praying for them. And maybe it's in your morning prayer or your afternoon prayer or your evening prayer. And by the way, I believe in three watches, amen? You got a morning, noon, and night at least. And so so God definitely wants us to, to be on watch and to be praying. And so I want to challenge you to think about how many times I have opportunity or when I'm doing some mundane activity. And what I mean by that, it's not taking a lot of thought to steer that lawnmower. I'm telling you the truth. You can just drive it for hours and you've got hours to just steer that lawnmower and, and you're mowing the lawn or you're pushing the mower. It doesn't take a lot. Or I'm washing the dishes or I'm rinsing off something or I'm Kicking the dog. I mean, anything. No, just kidding. So what it is is that you're at that place where it's just these mindless activities that we do, 
but don't let it become minus. It's you driving in the car, and, and you're driving down the road. What is the first inclination when we get in the car? What do we want to do? We want to turn the radio on, or we want to do something to, to, to distract us while we're driving, or, or you know, we want to play uh, on our cell phone, which is a lot of people doing, and I had a guy coming head on at me the other day. I'm blowing the horn, and finally he got it. I was coming. I was thinking, I'm going into the cornfield. Here I go, <laughs> and I thought for sure he's going to run me off the road. He would not react. He was so engrossed in his cell phone, he was coming right at me, but listen, you can pray. You don't have to close your eyes, but you need to stay continually in prayer. It's the idea of persistence in prayer. Now listen, when you do that, stay alert. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have started to pray and your mind goes and gets just Anybody with me? I'm that guy sometimes. I'll start praying and all of a sudden I'm thinking, so what color was that paint she wanted for that living room? And I'm praying. I'm like, why am I thinking about paint right now? What is the purpose of this? Anybody with me? Do you get that distracted in your prayers? That you're standing, and, and listen, try to stay alert. God says continue in prayer. Paul's challenging these people. Continue in prayer. Be consistent. Be aware of the words that you speak. So there's two parts to this praying. First, he said, watch. Now, when he says this, continue in prayer and watch in the same. He's saying this, to keep awake. Stay alert. Be vigilant, too, to stay after it. Don't stop. But the idea of being on watch is that you're vigilant. And this idea is there is to be awake or be watchful. And then I ask myself this question, well, what am I supposed to be watching for? What is it that I'm watching for? You imagine that the enemy, uh, when we uh, are down on the DMZ, and this is changing, right? But what is happening down there? So we have American troops on one side. <laughs> And we have the Korean troops on the other side, right? North Korean, American troops. And you're on the DMZ. And they have men who stand on watch. They stand there and look across at someone else holding a gun. Because if that man pulls up the gun and they declare war back on us and they pull up the gun, what's the guy on watch going to do? He's going to first fire and he has to alert everybody else, doesn't he? You know, I want you to think about this. To stay on watch is to be alert. Look for opportunities around you. And God is providing those all the time. So the idea of watching for an opportunity to serve others or to lead others to Christ and the subject of being watchful, this is important to Christ because think about this for a moment. He tells us to stay on watch, and here's one of the reasons why. In Matthew 26, 41, he said, watch and pray. They enter not into temptation. So he said, stay alert. Stay on duty. Isn't that right? Stay on duty and be careful because you can be tempted. Now, here's what he said. He said, the spirit indeed is willing. The spirit wants us to stay on watch. The spirit wants us to stay alert. But what is weak? The flesh. Think about your prayer life for just a moment. What is it like sometimes? Are we not weak in our prayer life because we'll even start to do something else? You know what it's called? We'll start praying and we hear, right? And before you know it, you're asleep. You've forgotten even that you were praying. And I, I, I challenge you, he says, watch and pray that you enter not in temptation. Now, Mark 13, 33, take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. Wow. Can you imagine being in prayer? And here comes Jesus. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is that he's saying stay alert, though. Stay awake. Stay on it. In Luke 12, 37, he said, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. He'll find them alert and ready. And he goes on and he says in verse 38, If he shall come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. 
So no matter what time you're praying, if he sees this, think about it. He said, happy is that man going to be? That man's going to be happy if Jesus comes and they're in the middle of prayer and they're being alert in their prayer time. Now, the first thing was to watch, but notice what he says here. Continue in prayer and watch in the saying, notice this, with thanksgiving. In other words, if I'm going to pray about something, I ought to go ahead and thank him for it because I ought to believe that he's going to answer it because I'm praying according to his will. I should not have to think that God's not going to answer this. I should always believe that God is going to answer my prayer. Why? Because I want to pray according to the will of God. And so if I'm praying for his will, I should never be concerned whether he's going to answer it. Now, here's the thing. We get concerned because we want a yes and he's saying no or he's saying uh, no. And we're saying we want that yes or we're saying, look, I don't want you to do this, Lord. And he says, well, no, I am going to do this. And we're just tossed. We're not really wanting an answer from God. We're wanting God to do what we want him to do for us and not really thinking about what God may want to do. And so, as I challenge you, make sure that you're praying according to his will. Thanksgiving is this idea. You do it with gratitude. I'm grateful. I already have a heart of thanksgiving toward my heavenly father. Why? Because I believe he's going to answer my prayer. So we should be going to God in gratitude for all that he has and all that he'll do. And remember this. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, how many of you know this? In everything, give what? Thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Specific, isn't it? So when you read that verse, who's he talking to? He's talking to you, isn't he? I read the verse, who's he talking to? He's talking to me. And he said, in everything give thanks. And you say, how do you do that? Well, I'm not telling you that whenever things go wrong that you're always kicking your heels. But what you can give thanks for is that God's there to walk you through it. Amen? So whatever you have an opportunity to do, give thanks unto the Lord in the midst of all. And I know this life brings difficulties, folks. Listen, but these circumstances we have should not change my gratitude toward my Lord. Did you hear me? Whatever my circumstances are should never change my gratitude toward my Heavenly Father. And, and, and God is always giving good gifts and perfect gifts. And, and they all come from the Father uh, from above. They, they come down from Him. And there's no variableness in our Heavenly Father. When I think about this, this brings the idea of just saying, hey, let me have a thankful heart toward my Savior. And regardless of what happens, I'm going to remain in continual prayer about this. And when God answers it, I'm going to thank Him for it. Because God knows what's best. A situation just happened to us recently, and, and uh, we were wanting to do some work in the house, and we found out that Agape had all this hardwood. And I thought, man, this is great. And it was 50% off from whatever the price tag was on it. Now, you want to do the happy dance? Because you ever go price hardwood? I mean, even that thin stuff, what's that stuff called? Like the laminate stuff? That stuff's expensive, man. And so she tells me, she said, guess what? And I said, what? And she goes, down at Agape, they got all this hardwood in, and it's going to be 50% off. I said, man, that's amazing. What do you want to do? She said, let's go look at it. So we went to go look at it. Guess what's not at Agape? Any hardwood. And we walked out of there, and both of us were kind of looking at each other like, trying to save money, right? Getting frustrated about it. And I said, well, I said, you know, they got that place over there called Ollie's. So we go over to Ollie's. When we got over to Ollie's, guess what? 
Over at Ollie's, they actually had the hardwood that she wanted, and it was 99 cents a square foot. I was just so happy because <laughs> I didn't have to spend a lot of money. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is that it was what she wanted. Boy, when we walked out of Agape, can you imagine what we look like? Our lifts are like down here, like, <sighs> right? But the fact is, is God had something else for us, didn't he? And see, sometimes we can get upset at God, and he's got something better planned for us. And I'm just giving you a small example. How many times has he done that on a more grander scale for you? And you think about how he does those things. Now, prayer as a Christian should never uh, be about just trying to get things from God. It should become a characteristic of my life. It should be a persistent practice. It's not me just trying to get something from my Heavenly Father. It's not just me trying to get something from God. There's an evangelist, Keith Noss, and he said this. He said, men never learn to pray in public. They learn in private. Men never learn to pray in public. They learn in private. Now listen to what he said here. He said, uh, if we are never in Gethsemane when alone, we shall not find our way there with the crowd. Now, you know what happened at Gethsemane. And he prayed the more earnestly. When he was when? When he was in agony, right? He prayed the more earnestly. He didn't just stop praying. He prayed the more earnestly. And, and, and being alone with the Lord in prayer leads to what I believe victorious Christian living. And what it happens is, is no matter what the circumstances is or no matter what the problem is, I'm seeking God out in the midst of it. And so God will help me through that. We have a meeting called a revival on August 26th through the 29th coming. And we have a speaker, an evangelist. His name's Dwight Smith. He's coming, and he's going to preach. And we'll have music, and we'll have people singing, and, and, uh, and you folks will be here. And here's what I want to challenge you with. Apart from sincere prayer, us really going to God and seeking him in this, we will simply have a room with people in it with a man who's coming to speak and no power. Is that really what a revival is? Or do we want to see God work? Do we want to really see God do something? And the challenge to us then is continue in prayer. We've got some time to pray between now and the 26th of August, don't we? And we can bring this to the Lord, and with a sincere heart, we can begin to pray. And I'm asking God, God, help us not just to bring a man, not just to have a meeting. But listen to what D.L. Moody said. He said, it is not when people come here to hear the singing or preaching, but when they come to pray, that we have a sure sign of a coming harvest. When people begin to pray, it's a sure sign of a coming harvest. When people begin to pray. Now, pray for the Lord to provide you times of witnessing. And I believe he can bring forth revival. Let me share this thought with you. God will give you occasions to share the gospel. In verse 3, Paul actually asking here in a means. He's saying with all also for us. That God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, which I am also in bonds. Take the opportunities to witness. And, you know, we should also be in prayer that God would give us opportunities to speak of Christ. Not just, boy, uh, Lord, would you give pastor an opportunity to speak of Christ, but would you give me? Would you give me an opportunity to speak of you, Lord? And this door of utterance, this is just, he has, it's like a portal. It's an entrance. It's an opening. And he's saying, Lord, provide an opening so I can talk about you. That's what he's asking. Lord, would you, just, would, you, would you just open a little utterance, a door, uh, just a little portal that I can get through and get through the message of Jesus Christ to these folks?
If you could just open that door. And so what are we praying for? We're praying for that opportunity uh, to be able to have that or to share the gospel. And, you know, an opportunity to speak for Christ, we ought to look at it this way. It's an honor for us to speak about Christ. It should be an honor for us. And by the way, he even talks to us in the scriptures and calls us ambassadors, does he not? And he tells us that we're ambassadors for Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, he says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, are we not? And that's what we are. And we get to go share the mystery of Christ with others that they might be reconciled unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we approach this time of revival, we can just wait for the meeting to happen and come as a group of people and sit in a room and let some folks sing and play the piano and listen to a man speak and we can all go home or we can pray with sincere hearts, Lord, we're asking for you to bring forth revival. Bring it in my life and bring it in the life of Calvary Chapel Baptist Church. Lord, would you open a door of utterance that we might be able to speak the mystery of Christ to the people in this community. And listen, God can open that door. Religion is not a problem for God. What is a problem is reluctant men to share the gospel sometimes. We're reluctant to bring forth that message. Ambassadors, representatives for our Savior right here in this community. And so every opportunity that you have to speak of Christ, you should make the most of it because it's an opportunity to present him and the ministry here that he's provided for us. And you think about this. How many of you remember the story of Peter in Acts 10? You remember the story of Peter, and uh, he goes up onto the rooftop. How many of you remember this story now? And he goes up there, and he goes into a trance. The Bible actually says he went into a trance. How many of you remember the story now? So Peter goes into a trance, so when he goes up there, and it's like he pulls down a sheet, and he begins to show him a video. <laughs> and I get this image in my mind because I see a video screen. You know what I mean? He pulls down the sheet, and he begins to share with Peter uh, what he wants him to do. And, and so he wants him to go and eat this unclean thing. And Peter said, no, not me, Lord. But what did he really want Peter to do? He wanted him to go over and start talking to the Gentiles about Jesus Christ. And in the midst of that, we already had, now think about this for just a moment. We already had a man over here praying. You know what his name was? Cornelius. And Cornelius, a devout man, and one that gave much alms, and he prayed continually. And so God had to convince Peter to go over here to talk to this guy. And so sometimes God's just trying to convince you to go talk to somebody. And he may not be putting you in a trance, but he may be bringing them to your remembrance. And he's wanting to use you or your life to go over here and talk to this person. Do you know God still operates that way today? He's still in the business of moving us by the power of the Holy Spirit to go and do something. And so what happened when Peter finally went over? Well, Cornelius and his whole house got saved. And you think about the uh, implications of that for us as believers. And here's a man who was reluctant at first. He's like, no, Lord, I'm not going over there. And God said, no, Peter, I need you to go. I need you to go do this because I have a man over here who's been praying to get saved. What street is that man on here in Minster, Ohio? What street is that man or that woman on in Minster, Ohio? What, what street are they on in St. Mary's or in New Bremen? What street is there of somebody that really wants to know the truth of the gospel and maybe is just bared down in religion right now and God wants to use you or me to win them to Christ and God's bringing them to your remembrance right now. And he wants you to go. Take the opportunity. 
When you and I are sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, God will guide our heart and our mind to share the message of Christ with other people. He just will. My wife worked with a young lady. Her name is Rachel Ely. I can't get that girl out of my head. She needs to get saved. I constantly think about her every day and pray to God that somehow or another my wife will just be able to just open up the Bible and this girl will get saved. I, I can't stop thinking about Todd Wygant and, and I can't stop thinking about Wally and I can't stop thinking about Dennis and I can't stop thinking about people who I've interacted with right here in this town, that I want to see them get saved. And you say, Pastor, you can't imagine trying to lead those people to the Lord, can you? Yes, I can. I can, and I do. And I want to see them get saved. And I believe they can get saved. And I believe that God wants to use Calvary to reach them with the gospel. Or he would not have planted this church in this town. And yes, that is our community. And yes, those are the people. And regardless of what their religious background is, they need Jesus Christ, and we need to take the opportunity to win them to the lost, win the lost to Christ. Opportunities. You say, what is that? Well, that's a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. <laughs> it's a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. Now, let me challenge you with this. God gives you salvation in Christ. Amen. So he's already provided it, hasn't he? And then he gives us the Holy Spirit, doesn't he? That provides us with what we need to be able to speak, even the words that we need to speak when we need to speak them. And then he goes in addition to that, that he gives us his word that we can share it with others, right? So he's given us his son. He's given us the spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us tracts. He's given us a building. He's given us opportunity. And we have people all around us. And the one thing they need is the one we hold back on most of the time. And that's the gospel. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do not reject the chance to allow the spirit to guide you in your thoughts. Don't reject him. I'm telling you, it is a painful, painful, painful experience. And you have heard me share from the pulpit a number of times with you folks that I rejected sharing the gospel with a man one day, and he died the following day. And I rejected sharing the gospel. It is painful when that comes to my remembrance. And so when God gives you opportunity, witness, because you don't know what the outcome for them is in hours or days. We have no idea. But when the Holy Spirit moves upon your heart, and listen, it happens because you're praying continually. You're asking God to provide opportunities. And you're going to the Lord and you're saying, God, provide this for us. And when he does, don't reject the chance to share the gospel. I believe Paul responded with such a sincere heart that he viewed himself as being in bonds with Christ. Look at what it says right there. He says this, for which I am also in bonds. And you know, remember he said in Galatians, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ which liveth in me. I now live by, uh, in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How did he see himself? And what I'm sharing with you is, how much time do we got left? How much time do we got left on this earth? And we're going to waste it away on pursuing stuff or pursuing things or watching games or watching television shows or, uh, you know, going to amusement park. I mean, I don't know. But the fact is, is that there's opportunity all around us to share the gospel. He would testify of the mystery of Christ 
And you know what's funny to me today? And this is a fact. I think it's more of a mystery to the youth today than it's ever been. I think we have more of an opportunity to witness than we've ever had. There are so few people that really know anything. How many of you have ever watched the show Jeopardy? Right? So they had it on the other night. (laughs) And it was biblical uh, uh, category. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, I'm going to bust this one out. Right? And I was watching. They didn't get a one of them. Not a one of them. And I'm not talking about hard stuff. I'm talking about who was Abraham's wife. I mean, come on. And you're standing there, and they couldn't even get the basics. Three young people. And I thought, good night. If that's any representation, it's terrible, isn't it? And and you start to think to yourself, we have more of an opportunity. Why? Because Christ is a mystery today. He's more of a mystery now than he was back then, I think, at times. And you look at it, and we have opportunity to share the gospel. So you have a cure for the death of all mankind. (laughs) You have a cure for the death of mankind. And God says, here, I want to give you an opportunity to share it. And we know what the cure is. You know what the cure for Washington, D.C. is? Jesus Christ. You know what the cure is for the divisiveness in the country? Jesus Christ. You know what the cure is for your neighbor who dislikes you? Jesus Christ. You know, you know, anything that you can think of, I can promise you that the answer to it is our Savior. He can take and bring peace that no man can bring forth. And we're challenged to do so. And I just believe this with all my heart. A Christ-centered life is one that's focused on prayer. And I hope uh, this church specifically be led to seeing revival. Last thought is this, and I'll leave this to this. Speak a clear message. In verse 4, he said that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Speaking of water, who? And that is Christ. And what are you doing? You're making it manifest. You know what it is? Making it obvious. <laughs> making it evident. Speaking it clearly. And, and I've got to thinking about this. Part of witnessing is speaking the message clearly, but it's also on how you live your life. And I, I've shared this before uh, about Chris Henshin. We took uh, Paul Sturwald into my office, and, and, and Paul's answer to Chris was, is, I have never lived like you lived. And I'm sitting there listening to this. And here's a man who now his life is before us. We're talking about Chris Henshin. And he said, I can't live like you've lived, Chris. I've watched your life. <laughs> now I want to tell you something. How you live matters. Anybody with me now? <laughs> because it mattered to Paul. He saw what Chris did. And I'm challenging you with this. Make sure how you're living your life is that of a testimony that would uh, testify of Christ. That you're not living your life in a different manner. And here's what he says in 1 Peter 3.15. Think about this. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now he says that first. Now sanctify, that's clean yourself up, isn't it? Keep yourself holy. Getting right with God. And he says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now, and be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Do you know what he told us first? Keep yourself clean and then go tell somebody. Are you with me? Keep yourself clean. Watch what you're doing. And then give an answer to the guy that asks you, why are you so hopeful? And he says, make sure you're clean. Now, Peter's stating, keep yourself clean and then tell others about Christ. So people not only hear your words, but they watch your lives. I want you to know, 
Every little child in this church watches you folks. <laughs> they watch you. And it's amazing what they take away. And they hear words you speak and they watch the actions that you have. And, and listen, they're not, you know, we think that they're just kind of oblivious to everything around them. How many of you think that about little kids sometimes? They're just oblivious. They look like they're oblivious, but man, they're listening to you. <laughs> And they're watching you, and they're hearing things you say, and they're, they're watching your lives. And so even when you go out into the community, they know you. I've had kids come up to me and say, Pastor Warnick, and I'm thinking, Connie's not here to tell me who this kid is. <laughs> I have no idea who this child is. But the thing of it is, is that they know you. I know they do. I have kids come up to me and my family on a regular basis and I go into Walmart or I go into a, a store or I go into town here and they recognize us. So it matters that we not only say but do. 1 Peter 2.12, having your conversation honest. He's not talking about words you speak. He's talking about the life you lead. The life you lead, let it be honest among the Gentiles. He said, against the, the dogs. He's talking about those that are not the same, right, as us. And so he's saying, those Gentile dogs out there, he said, listen to this. Have your conversation amongst, honest among the Gentiles. Those that are lost, make sure that you have a good lifestyle. Not just words you speak, but what you do. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. <laughs> They're watching you. And so when you're speaking a clear message, as Paul said here, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, that I ought to make it obvious that I'm a Christian, I ought to make it obvious that I care about Christ, that I ought to make it obvious that I am what I am, and I live this way, and I talk this way, and I behave this way, I am this person. And it has a testimony. It carries weight. And so I tell you this. Know the Romans road. It's good. Or know a plan to share the gospel with someone. Know the plan of salvation in some fashion, some form. The Romans road is not the only road. There is a lot of ways to lead people to Christ through the scriptures. And, and the fact is, is do that, but also have a testimony that would glorify our Savior based on our deeds. Matthew 5.16 says this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let them see what you do. Make sure that it is a light and it's not darkness that they're seeing in you. And then the challenge is speak a clear message in word and deed. He says in Colossians 3.17 here, he said, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So this is the challenge to not only speak the gospel, but to live the gospel and then when those spiritual opportunities present themselves, don't let them pass you by. <laughs> don't let them pass you by. As a church body, here's what I want to challenge us tonight on. Let's pray. August 26th through the 29th, we have a man coming. His name is Dwight Smith. He's an evangelist. He's a wonderful speaker. But without prayer, it will be a powerless meeting. I want to challenge us to start praying for souls to be saved. Asking God to bring folks in. Folks you can't even see. And believe me, it happens. <laughs> I've been doing this long enough. I've watched God fill rooms of people. And, and I, I go to a service one morning. I ended up with five families in our church within three weeks. I could not see those people. 
but God knew who they were. And he brought me some saved and some unsaved. But he added to the church daily. And God is capable of doing that right here. But I challenge you with this. As D.L. Moody said, as you come to this service, if you come here just to hear the singing or the preaching, and that's all you come here for, we're missing out. Because when people come to pray, that's a sure sign of a harvest to come. Let's pray.